0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, welcome in. This is Country Rose Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza here after West Virginia. Um, well, Chris Anderson, I, I dare say... Does what you were supposed to do against Texas and wins. Doesn't really matter how, but when you look at Texas, four and six, an underdog on the road, lost five in a row, and some, I don't know, for for various reasons, attitude, perception, injuries, there are some white flag warning signs for Texas. Did not quit today. Had the ball on the final possession, down eight. Not really sure what they could do with it, but a lot of problems. I'll say this, though. West Virginia has a lot of problems with its roster and a lot of the same concerns that has rattled off for Texas. And it was better today from start to finish. And I would say they had to get the game. They did. And with very, very few exceptions stayed entirely out of their own way and boy, what a difference that makes.
1: Yeah, that was big. Uh, What what do we say about Kansas, what Kansas state does? Well, is they, they don't shoot themselves in the foot and they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. I, West Virginia was apparently supposed to beat Texas, and they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. Um, zero turnovers. Uh, that that's nice. Uh, you know, running the ball. I can't really remember any big penalties on the day. Like, you know, nothing too alarming. It, like the last couple of weeks, there's been a few penalties that have been just backbreakers. You know, that took away turnovers, that took away um, big plays. So I just don't recall many of this game. I think they look three. They got flagged three times for 19 yards okay, like you'll take that every every week if you can. So a, a really nice game from the team, a nice response. Um, workhorse Letty Brown, even though went the entire first drive without running the ball, I don't think until, I think, two of them late. But, man, a lot to like from what you saw, a, a few concerns, but uh, I think you put it best just a second ago there. West Virginia has a lot of the same problems that Texas has. Injuries, lack of depth um you know some weak spots on defense and west virginia didn't use that as an excuse they came out won the game
0: texas just you know just couldn't get anything going really yeah and if you look at what wvu has to do to win a game it probably hit all the marks today um that time of possession is significant 38 minutes 36 seconds and they're going to end up as like a top 15 team at time of possession. They ran 87 plays today, and when you're in the shape that that Texas defense is in, Overshone tried to play, but he wasn't very good. You could tell. I was surprised he got on the field. From what I understand, he wasn't even dressed in warm-ups, right? Well, the ESPN announcer said he wasn't, and that he wasn't
1: even, that he was like a definite out, and then all of a sudden I saw, you know, I was like, oh, crap, I wrote about him in the three key matchups because he was a, a weak spot for their defense, and then he's out there. And and then he was gone, like just as quickly as soon as they were like, "Oh, hey, there he is," and then he went limping off the field again. Yeah, we'll get to the ESPN crew in a minute here. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's okay. You got to experience experience it for the first time. So awful defense Texas has does not get pressure on the quarterback, and what you're gonna do is that's a day that Diggy can throw 43 times. He can, and he passed for 290. He was sacked twice, I believe, and three times, but on successive plays, he got out of it with a third down completion. He was, I don't have the numbers. I'll punch him up here in a second, but he was very good on third down. The team was 12 of 20 and then add a fourth down conversion. So, really, I'm not going to count that last third down, that last fourth down conversion. We can talk about that in a minute, too. But so basically, 13 out of 20 on third down, completed the ball, moved it around. And again, if you're looking at what you have to do, he can play against that defense. Shame on Texas for keeping that too high shell, especially on third downs when they cannot get pressure. That's easy. That breaks the field down into little bites for Diggy. He can do that. Um, Brown hand it to him thirty times, one hundred and fifty-eight yards against that defense. That's going to happen. And then reception six, five, four, three, three, two, two, two. They don't have an alpha, but they have a whole bunch of guys who can you know catch the ball or be relied upon to do something positive. And when that defense is just kind of spinning like it is, that's a good way to do it. And then the defense is very good. I mean. Say what you will about the Texas stuff, but they've they've scored against everybody this season. They had the most points and the highest point differential in the first quarter. They were shut out 7-0. They had 11 yards. If Texas doesn't get off to a good start with a five-game losing streak and staring at staying home for a ball, that's extremely discouraging. They did get out of it. They had to change quarterbacks to do it, but um, I thought that we would know early in this game, and we did. West Virginia was better early on, and they were better from start to finish, and, and Texas is just not good enough to overcome a start like it had and and come back and it tried and it got close and you know a couple plays or maybe decisions that turn out differently perhaps is a different story but listen no apologies for west virginia no excuses for, for texas like wvu had similar hand and played better and made it work found its way around stuff and you know they lose bryce Ford wheaton didn't really matter um their defense is just in shambles didn't matter they, play, they probably played what do you think 15 guys on defense
1: Yeah, at one point, I think it was early in the third quarter, I was looking at the stats, and now it doesn't have participation on there, which is very difficult to tell during the game. But it had the stats, and I believe there were only, you know, there's obviously 11 players on the field at one time on one side of the field. There were only 12 players for West Virginia that had a stat on defense. Only 12. So, I mean, I'm sure there were more than 12, but it's probably more like 14 or 15 like you're talking about. Like there's just not a lot of reserves available to be playing
0: right now. All right. So you have your starting 11, right? Mm hmm. Which in this case, let's go room. You have Stills, Austin, Mesidor, Young, Low, or excuse me, Young, Saint Chandler, Samito. I think St. McLeod started, right? The, uh, officially, yes, okay. or at least according to the official box score. Because no Charles Woods. Thanks for telling us. But Charles Woods doesn't play. So Jackie Matthews moves from spear to corner opposite Daryl Porter. I think he played, I think both those guys played every snap, and certainly a dime home played every snap. The only backups I saw were Sean Martin, Jordan Jefferson, and I'm blanking. <laughs> officially
1: on the box score, Jordan Jefferson had two tackles Sean Martin had one tackle, and they credited Ed Visternan with the tackle. I do remember seeing Visterinen. okay. but that's it. I mean, did Bartlett did you, was Bartlett officially a starter or no?
0: I think no. Ruff and I had playing um snaps it at corner two. I don't have any, I don't have Malinger or Coleman playing safety. And I mean, honestly, so they had Chandler Cimito. I don't think Stevens played defense. Did he? Don't remember no, seeing him. I don't remember. So. Dad, but I think Chandler Cimito played every game. I never saw him at will. And then it does going to happen anyways, but like you're talking like 14, 15 guys against Texas in the 11th game of the year with everything to lose. And really, I know a bowl game is there, but not a whole lot to gain. That's a, that's a pretty impressive, um, Dig deep in and and find something by that defense there. They didn't have to do it. And the offense did the same thing. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's encouraging. There hasn't been a ton of encouraging stuff late on in the season, perhaps late on in the third season overall, however you want to look at it. But offense, especially defense there, there's a lot of good signs, I think, if you're worried about the the buy-in or the or the give a darn from the defense or the offense or of the players in general. Yeah, absolutely. And and
1: that's kind of been what I guess the story of the season. Not to take a big picture here, but every time it seems like this is it, this is they've fallen off a cliff and things are really going bad. Now they come right back out and answer. I mean, it helps that really the two big answers have been going up against TCU and Texas, two of like two of the daggone worst defenses I think I've I've seen in a long time. But they answered on both sides of the ball and really did well. So I think I think that is a testament to these players and, and the staff as well, because it's not difficult to keep these guys, you know, we've seen around the country, some issues with players, with, um, with, with, within the program, guys leaving places and just being upset and upset with the coaches when they're on a losing streak and, and haven't seen much of that at West Virginia and they bounce back nicely.
0: Yep. So far, or so for the final day, that's, that's pretty good. And then, again like it didn't have to happen that way so kudos to them west virginia will now go on the road to kansas and let's handicap this year they're gonna be i mean they're gonna be double digit favorites aren't they yeah i would think so Wow. I
1: mean, TC, tc was 21 point favorite uh, for for comparison purposes over kansas today but i believe that game's in
0: that's in fort worth right i believe so. I think so yeah so and again I don't know what's going to happen, but they've already played Jalen Daniels four games. I don't know what they're going to do. I haven't seen that this week, but they were talking about redshirting him. I'm not sure they will or should. Um, Last year doesn't count for him, so it's not like they wasted a year for him last year so they could play him anyways. But what if he doesn't play? Very different Kansas team. Not nearly as scary if they put Bean back there or somebody different, too. So uh, we'll see. Um, From the very beginning, though, this was clear. I don't want to say that I predicted WV would win based on watching, but you could just tell they had something on offense and they had some sort of inner inner belief or inner faith. And then Texas at three and out three and out, I believe four straight three and outs. That just seemed like the momentum and all the, the all the positive stuff that does kind of matter in a spot like this, that was on WVU side. This did become a game, but again, I never really felt how threatened that WVU was. And every time that Texas did score West Virginia uh, twice, got a touchdown and once got a field goal, really good responses from start to finish too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to start with this offense? Because there, there's some there's some really good things we saw here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, first, we have to put out there, this is, I guess, I'm not even really going to do a compliment sandwich here, where you start with the good, go bad, and then come back to good. Let's just start with the bad and get it over with as far as, like, I'm not trying to take away from what West Virginia did here. I've already noted that Texas was bad. But it also seemed like whoever watched that film for them, for, of West Virginia, they either weren't paying attention or they told the coaches, the, a GA or an analyst told the coaches, hey, the way to disrupt West Virginia's offense and to completely shut them down is to bring pressure on Jarrett Daigie. And the coaching staff said, "Yeah, yeah, that's all right. They did not bring pressure. They did not. And, and you, you noted know, what they were in cover two a lot, you said. Oh. Like, a lot. And this is just, like, the perfect the perfect defense for West Virginia to pick apart and Jared Dagey to pick apart. That being said, you still have to make those throws, and those were not easy throws that Jared Dagey was making out of there. Some of those passes were between two and three defenders, just over guys' fingertips, dropping right into the hands of a receiver. Uh, we saw short passes, long passes, out patterns, deep uh, go routes. We saw touch. We saw, you know, uh, like a hardball, fastball. I mean, it was, it was a complete kind of, let's not get too, too crazy here and say arsenal of, you know, all this stuff, but it was a really great game to show some, for Diggy to show some arm talent there.
0: Mm, I don't know if I want to touch the hot stove yet. (laughs) we'll, We'll come back to it too. Yeah. Listen, if you, if you put two high safeties up against him and you play in a zone, he's good enough to hit those windows. He is. And then if you, squeeze things and you make him go outside he's not as good he was very good against iowa state and i think that's what was so surprising is that the game plan that iowa state had didn't work but if you just put two people deep and you take away a third person um that that three high can be tricky for anybody but if you put two you're breaking that field into halves and quarters and it just naturally that's easier for him and not only that but if you don't put that one person lower if you're playing one high you know, you can maybe do something, but you can also thump things inside. You can take away easy stuff. It just it's it's easier for a quarterback when it's that that's soft and forgiving. And the fact they have no pass rush, nothing, and they had one of the lowest sack rates in the country this year. And I, I really thought this too when we were looking at their final four games. I I just kind of thought like Kansas State, whoops, but also Texas were just not teams that get after the quarterback very well. Uh, Kansas State had a great defensive line. Their, their 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 play was very good. It made a difference. Um. Texas's is, is not I mean sweat got going a little bit in the second half but he doesn't play a whole lot and doesn't play very hard for, for big stretches it looks like so that was a problem they just don't have linebackers that can push and Overshawn wasn't going to go that took away a playmaker uh, Brackermeyer's you know probably going to be a good player not quite there yet and I'm not sure how much you can get from linebackers if you're if you're playing behind that defensive line which doesn't get a great push I thought their offensive line West Virginia was was pretty good today apart from the one time where you get with the back-to-back sacks but when, when you give Dagey three seconds and he can pat the ball and look, you're going to find guys in the middle. And then it just felt to me like if you ran forward, you had a chance of getting open and he's going to hit you. Like if you're running in between two defenders with like, you know, five to seven yards on either side of you, that's a quarterback throw. That's easy. You can make that. So it just seemed like a play right into his hands and give him credit. He made it work all day and just never felt like he was in danger, never felt like he was going to make a mistake and do something silly. And like I said, when he gave up the back-to-back sacks and you're thinking, uh-oh, like they had just scored. You think it's 14 7. They're going to get the ball right back. He steps in, he makes a throw on third down that moves the chains, and he was good. That's probably, we've seen a couple of good day this season, but with what's, I don't know, at stake or on the line or however you want to call it, that was pretty encouraging. Like, it just seemed like a good thing for him to do. And, and on, on the spot, uh, third down, 8 for 14, 132 yards and seven first down. So not perfect, but it's the conversions, you know, 12, 15, 16, 18 yards. Where Texas's defense does something good to set up a spot that's advantageous, and he just took the advantage away. It's a big part of football. It's how you stay on the field for eighty-seven snaps and you keep the other offense, which is very good, and orders you know scores twenty-one in the first half on average thirty-eight in a game. They go. They had ten points in the first half and we're, were playing from behind against WVU. When, and when they're setting the ball like they were, um, that's just not going to work for Texas. Diggy twenty of twenty-eight for or two
1: hundred thirty-eight yards in the. First half Ugh. seven of sixteen for fifty two yards in the second half. good um, enough, good enough, yeah, I mean it was it was you know, I was just gushing about him here a second ago, but it was truly more of a a, a very good half for him. Um, but still, West Virginia in the second half, six of ten on third downs. Um, not all passing, but still six of ten. On the, so they they were, they were moving the ball. They were converting. Um, it didn't matter first half and second half. It was six of ten both halves. So it, it wasn't that he was a complete detriment to the team to the offense in the second half. It's just that kind of the game plan flipped because we saw that first drive. It was I mean I, I felt like my three keys were just pointless, uh, being that. Overshawn was one of them, and West Virginia just needed to run the ball because Texas was so bad defending the run no matter what kind of scheme you ran. And West Virginia came out, and the entire first drive was um, five wide, four wide, no running back right up until you know they got yeah. in the red zone, <laughs> then Letty got a couple touches. But Letty Brown, 33 carries?
0: Amazing. 33, 33 carries for him today. It didn't look like it either. It looked like he was still fresh. Yeah. like He was still making some plays late in the game too. Uh, red zone stuff, really good too. Clever stuff. Got some people vertical, which isn't easy to do, but the way they did it was good. Um, I mean, Sean Ryan, how about as easy as a route to the back line at the end zone as you're going to have a great touch pass to Winston, right? Like, those are those are good plays. Those are wing plays. And then Sam James mentioned that he was going to have to be good, especially if they weren't going to have full complement outside players. We didn't know that we weren't sure Esdale would come in. Ryan wasn't on the field a ton for Wheaton Leaves, um, but those same guys got vertical today a couple times, right? Uh, James important there and, and James is different like he hadn't scored since the second week excuse me third week uh he had three touchdowns after three games that was his first one since then but uh, five catches 60 plus yards a touchdown today he's he's effective when he can do some things he gives you a big target he's fast he can fly he can move that defense and I felt like they had him in a retreat which eventually opened up the running game that was good too hot stove time let's touch the burner Are you ready go for it about oh I don't know like shortly before halftime my phone starts to go nuts i'm not at the game today uh i was questionable game time decision sat this one out phone starts to go crazy and and as i say many times i watch the game on mute don't watch it Um, with anybody telling me what's going on because i tend to pull my hair out sometimes so i'm also there's no commentary when i'm watching a game live in the stadium either so that's what i'm used to i looked at my phone and i won't fill it in the blanks but a lot of blanks there about what did i just hear are you kidding me And the reporting is that Derek Dagey told ESPN he did not walk today because he will be back for his senior season next year, which is a surprise to a lot of people. Because to be frank with you, Chris, that's not what I've been hearing. Um, I'm not sure what intel you have or what rumors you've heard, but I've heard that was a decision that was probably going to be made. Um, I'm kind of in the believe it when you see it camp. Um, I thought the explanation was kind of strange because the reporter said it and they came back from the break and the ESPN. The, the color commentary and the analysts were like by the way can you give us the details again like what exactly did he say how did he say it did, you know and she's like no no he said like I'm coming back I like Bryce Ford Wheaton and like they couldn't believe it themselves they were caught off guard by it. the whole scene the whole thing seemed strange to me uh, unfortunately I'm not there to ask today I'm confident someone will ask but it does seem like that the seed has been planted that Jared Dagey who yes does have the ability to come back again next season um I guess is planning on coming back next season your thoughts um.
1: Not sure about the decision. I don't know how. I, I I just don't know what West Virginia can do at the quarterback position with him. I don't. It, it's it's almost impossible for me to tell what his ceiling is. I, I feel like at times you you know you see the Iowa State game like you mentioned, and then you you see <laughs> several other games, and then you see everything in between. So I'm uh, I'm torn on the actual decision. The uh, news coming down. I I'm with you. I, I'll believe it when I see it because everything I had heard was. Pretty much the opposite of that, that it was a no definitive decision, but more of a, yeah, probably not coming back and probably not going to announce anything until after the year is over. So for that to suddenly be so different and the way for it to be announced is a sideline reporter saying that she talked directly to Jarrett Dagey. I mean, and she made it clear as day. Like it wasn't we're hearing or someone told me or a coach said, she said she spoke directly to Jarrett Deggy, who told her very specifically that he was returning to West Virginia, and that just flies in the face of like everything that we have been hearing. Um, and it's just it's a strange situation. So I, I'm, I'm more of yeah, I'm with you. I'm in the same boat. Everybody, don't assume that that's correct. I'm not saying that the sideline reporter was lying, not at all. I'm just saying
0: let's wait till we see it. By the way, Jalen Daniels starts for Kansas, so the redshirt is no more. He will not redshirt this year, and presumably as long as he's healthy, he'll be the quarterback for today against ECU and then next week against West Virginia, so um, we can be sure of that. The Daggy thing's complicated because I don't know what they have with Garrett Green. I I continue to say this. I think uh, we can trust what we've seen, and they don't have a lot of confidence in him or at least not as much as Daigie, and if they're going to bring Daigie back and allow him to come back, that does not speak well for Green. They have to keep Crowder happy. They have to keep Nico Marchio happy. Um, and if they they have the ability to go out and get transfers here, I'm not really sure how inviting the situation is for a transfer, which means, and tell me if you, if you follow me here, Chris, meet your new transfer quarterback, Garrett Jagie. <laughs> like, a one-year guy who, hey, if you beat him out, great. If you win the offseason derby, like you're guaranteed nothing. Like If you want to come back and you want to compete with Green and Crowder and Marchio great if you wanna do that and you lose the job guess what you're gonna carry clipboard and you're gonna help number six and number seven and I don't know what number mark you'll wear but you're gonna you're gonna be the best mentor you can be I can think of worse situations than that but let's let's be frank um you run a risk next year of having a quarterback with darn near no experience whether it's green that would be the darn near or Crowder. Also, darn near or Marchio, which is no experience, and if you don't have anybody else in there, and you're you're coming off a seven and six, a six and seven season, or, or again maybe, maybe uh, a five and seven season, we'll, we'll see. But I'm not sure what an accomplishment is getting to a bowl game this year. But sure, great, feathering your cap. But you got to be bigger and better next year. You have to, I think, be in contention at some point playing meaningful football games in in Jan or in November. I can certainly see where a head coach who's feeling a little bit of heat would say, I feel a heck of a lot better if I had Diggy back." And I know that people aren't going to believe that, but, like, sometimes the devil you know is the devil you trust. And I don't know how much better he can get, but I can just see that being a situation that makes more sense than trying to roll with, uh, you know, guys who haven't played a whole lot collectively or individually. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's what's been so confusing for me for the last three weeks. I just don't know where you go. I don't know what you do. I understood the reason that Neil Brown was sticking with Daigie for this year because it, it was in his mind, and I think he's probably correct at, by that point, the best way for West Virginia to get to a bowl game is with Daigie at quarterback. But next year, you're not just trying to get to a bowl game. You're trying to take a step forward. Yeah. And are you going to take a step forward if Daigie's your guy? I don't think so. I think this is about the ceiling. I think it's going to be inconsistent and confusing, but or inconsistent and frustrating. But what's confusing is what what are you what are you trading it in for? Are you trading it in? You're trading it in for a complete unknown. And let's be frank here. That's not Neil Brown's. You know that's not Neil Brown's move, as we've seen with, um, for instance, Caden Prather, who is an amazing wide receiver, but got no time early in the year, in part because he was an unknown. And it doesn't seem like he's willing to roll the dice with the unknowns, no matter what the ceiling might be for them. I think he likes to stick with what he knows. And what he knows is Jared Dagie And so I just don't know if he's going to be pushing him out, begging him to come back. Are you going to push him out and then – Like you said, roll the dice with Green, Crowder, Marchio. I mean, either way, you're either of those three ways, you're rolling the dice with one of three guys who have barely played any meaningful snaps, if any at all, or you're just hoping the transfer portal works. That's a tough
0: road to go to. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm refreshing Twitter here to see if anything is coming up from the post game. I don't see it yet, but I can't imagine that. People aren't going to be asked that, asking that question about it. I would assume that Daigie would be coming up, but I thought it was very curious that of the players that we could conceivably talk to this week on Senior Day, that it wasn't Daigie. We only get like three players, maybe two sometimes. You don't get to pick who we want to talk to. I think everybody probably wanted to talk to the quarterback, and perhaps his final home game didn't get a chance. Um, and maybe because this question might come up, and maybe he didn't have an answer. I don't know. But um, did not walk today on Senior Day, even though he's a senior. So that plus the reporting does add up. He could be the quarterback next year which makes this very interesting. And, and I, let me ask you this though, Chris. If, mm-hmm. if he says, I'm done, thank you. I, I got the team at 6-6 six and six and I was the bowl game MVP, whatever, right? Let's just say he's done after a bowl game. Um, I'm assuming a 5-7, and seven, he's not coming back. But let's just say he moves on no matter what. How inviting is it for a transfer quarterback? Knowing you've got three young guys nipping at you and you're probably not going to be the most popular guy in that, in that situation you're walking into. And what do you have offensively around you? You don't have Lady Brown. The offensive line is probably going to have some transfers that may be better. And then there should be a number of receivers back, but we'll see. We thought Sean Ryan was going to be among that group. It seemed like a nice asset to have, but he walked today, even though he's a true junior. I don't know how inviting it is, and I don't know how difficult or how easy it would be to get a senior here, or excuse me, a transfer here for, I would guess, one year, right? You're not going to get a multi-year guy. You're not going to take a multi-year guy unless he's a five-star, no doubt about it, which I, I find that hard to believe, too. Yeah,
1: well, I mean then you're just getting into the scarcity issue here. Is that the guys that you would actually take to play quarterback out of the transfer portal, maybe there are 5 of them in an off season, 7. And do you know how many teams are looking for a ready, game ready, high level quarterback out of the transfer portal? 40, many, 50. Yeah. So it's it's it, it, that's that's an issue and that's why, you know, I think the Will Greer thing, I don't I don't want to tell people that they they that was a combination of luck and Dana Holgerson and or Dana Holgerson's offense and Will Greer's, you know, off field issues, which were just the you know, nothing too crazy, but still something that might have scared away a couple people. That's how that happened. Like you're not gonna find a Will Greer
0: for West Virginia to take every offseason agreed stay tuned drama love it Mm -hmm. give us something to talk about during the the offseason here too uh defensively for west virginia we can get to that we we hit on the offense the defense think it played great and think it would have been thought it was going to be hard to play great today mentioned the injuries charles wood surprisingly out no low no dixon no fortune no depth um didn't play a ton of snaps offense helped him out by sitting on the ball that's kind of like your definition of complimentary football which Neil brown likes to get into so that's helpful, but just kind of bent and, and didn't break, but was really good early in the game. I was concerned about having to stop the run in the fourth quarter, but the offense with those answers to scores kind of created a bit of a buffer that it wasn't too trying. And, and you know, when they had to have a play, guys like Stills came through it and really helped them out.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, that that play, Dante Stills was at third and five, and he came he, he came off the ball so quick that the guard that was sl- supposed to slide over and, and block him had no chance. couldn't even hardly get a, a finger on him. He came mm-hmm. off that ball so quick. Um, and that that set up the fourth and eight and then Texas didn't convert and West Virginia got the ball back. So that, that was a huge play. and I think he's really just come up at some key point key moments here late mm-hmm. and especially when I know they subbed him out some. you know they have to on that defensive line almost no matter what. But I still feel like they're playing probably more snaps than the coaching staff would like for the defensive lineman.
0: That's a saying here that you would love to have the problems that Oklahoma has or Texas has or Clemson has or USC has. Um, Would you like to have the problems that Texas has? No. Yeah, that's a very ordinary team. There is nothing, there is really
1: nothing that impressed me about what they did today. Like, at at no point. Like, I mean, I think their running backs run hard, um, which is to be expected when you have, you know, a running back room that typically includes six or seven, four- and five-star recruits in it. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, this was a pretty, like, you don't see that dominant edge rusher. You don't see that offensive tackle that's just pancaking West Virginia defenders. You don't see a quarterback throws. You don't see wide receivers making amazing plays. I mean, worthy um, had a couple good plays, like, but just not consistently. It was it was just nothing that impressed me out there today.
0: Yeah, uh, I was surprised by how bad Thompson was. Mm-hmm. I did not expect that. I thought he was going to be a better guy that could move around and make things happen. And um, I thought they would use him more in the running game, but he was he was missing guys who were wide open. And then sometimes just you have to throw a guy open or you have to give a guy a chance, he never gave guys a chance. I do like Keelan Robinson, and I would think that they probably should have inverted the number of carries and given him more than Rashawn Johnson, but Johnson's earned that by his commitment to the program and being there so long, and Johnson, excuse me, Robinson's a transfer who's just getting there and getting his feet wet, but they're both productive. I think they combined for 200 yards rushing as a team. That's not an issue. Their offensive line, again, good, not great. Um, Quarterback play is a big problem. But boy, it's a different offense with not only B. John Robinson, but if Jordan Winnington's healthy all season and if Joshua Moore stays there, that's a really good receiver core. But they don't they don't have those guys right now too. these very good. Well, he's he's fun to watch. They gave him a lot of attention too. And one of the few times they left him one on one was that touchdown. I shouldn't say one of the few times because they trusted their corners to do it. Um, but they kept they kept safeties high a bunch. And I thought McLeod was good at that too, playing like a little bit deeper than normal. But uh Brown said this during the week, and it's it's a hard thing to explain, but guys um they don't slow down when they make their cuts that was worthy on that out and up against matthews Yeah, like i didn't think matthews got beat did you
1: no he, i just he thought really he ran away a good from job. Him.
0: yeah yeah just like when a guy's that fast on an out and up it, it's hard to cover it i get that but like i didn't think he was tricked and he jumped forward and, and worthy was running by him and it was a blown coverage i just thought that he he kept accelerating which is a, a, a real talent that's like an elite thing that guy's gonna be that guy is good he's gonna be a problem for the next two years We'll see what happens to this team within the offseason. I I they're going to have to make some changes, I think, in their staff too. But you're right, identity on offense, limit. I get that, but their identity on defense is just kind of very, very basic. And when you're relying on playing cover too, like you got to have you got to have dudes that can make that work. Like safeties who can fly around and hit people and scare you or make plays, and they don't have that. Or corners who can just cover and making sure that if you do get past that, it's going to be hard and you're going to give your pass rush a chance. They don't have that. Like the the talent doesn't match up with their scheme, it looks like. And that's a ton of yardage. In, um, they play Kansas State next week. That's going to be really interesting. Like, w- one team's not like that, and one team is like that. So that may be, like, a further embarrassment. But imagine Texas going into an offseason with seven straight losses. That doesn't happen. And this was stunning to me, too. Like, I've followed Texas football for quite some time now because they're in the conference. This is their fifth losing season since 2010. ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, can I bring up somebody
1: that you just mentioned and we, we haven't even discussed this. Jackie Matthews also walked today. Also apparently gone. Yeah. I mean, he's a junior too. So I was the Sean Ryan thing, I think is, you know, a little bit off guard, but I had heard some, some things throughout the year that this was likely his last, his last time. But for Matthews, That was I was not ready for that that news today that that he was walking and I mean that's that's kind of a blow with how versatile he's been and how he plays all over that backfield especially a team that's already losing what two maybe three starters if you count Scotty Young
0: yeah who walked as well I think I don't think he has a year left anyways but right yeah I mean who you plug in those spots Fortune okay Porter you're okay at corner ooh (laughs) like maybe you got Wilson Lamp. Safety is going to be, again, last year. Last year we said it's going to be really old or really young. There is no really old now. Like you can't play Matthews at free and, and Young at free or anything like that or Cat. so those two are gone. You're going to have McLeod probably as your spear, and then you figure out a way to get Coleman, Malinger, Burke, some combination of that and your other two. Me a Young secondary next year. Mm-hmm. Young safeties, I should say. Yeah. Porter had a good game too, I thought. A couple good open field tackles there. The cover, too. I mean, do you see how many times they targeted Worthy? Uh, not yet. Do you know what you um, want to guess? What, 10? 12. Well. I wouldn't have thought that. It didn't seem like he was constantly getting open or, or in trouble. But, again, 7 for 80 in touchdown, but he gets 52 on one catch. So, after that, I know that still counts, but six catches for 28 yards. Uh, and that's that's pretty good work against a guy like that. He was coming off 14, 152, three touchdowns on three ta- or 23 targets. So. Um, that'll be good too. And Prather, by the way, Prather starts four catches, forty-eight yards. He gets, I, I turned away. They took that catch away from him. That where he had two feet down. Well, he didn't get his two feet down.
1: What? That's 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 your surgery meds kicking in, Mike. That's what that is. You sure? Yeah. He he had one that kicked air, and one that would have touched the ground, but it actually hit the heel of the Texas defender, and it, so he never touched the ground, and he got shoved out. So. It was a good. It was the right call. It still doesn't take away that how ridiculously stupid good that catch was.
0: That's a good play again. That's just putting the ball in play too. We mm-hmm. got a chance. See what happens. we'll take a sack. And Dagey was good at that. The two times he got caught with it, he got sacked. And then a couple times he was in there and he moved up and he got rid of it and did something positive. That was good too. I did turn the I did turn the volume back off when I heard one of the ESPN people say uh, after Dagey ran and got no yardage. Um, that's growth by a young quarterback. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Quickly, before we go, I was incapacitated last night. Um, So was West Virginia's basketball team, huh? Yes. What happened Uh, in the second half? Because I was able to check my phone. They were up by, I want to say, 13, 14 in the the first half, and then 12 at halftime, and I think they had like a small run to even go up bigger in the second half. I'm not sure. You can fill me in, but they were certainly up by a dozen at halftime and just got bamboozled in the second half.
1: I... Mentioned this in the in the post game, my three immediate thoughts. And I said. I It blows my mind to think that a coach would throw a game and I would never accuse Bob Huggins of that. But cool. have you ever seen the movie Days of Thunder? Yes. And Harry Hogg, the, um, played by Duvall, uh, Robert Duvall, the, the, you know, the the captain. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, hey, let's let you do it your way and we'll do it my way. And, you know, see, check out the, the times and the, all that stuff. And he just sit, sits back and lets Tom Cruise's character just just fly around and eventually ends up being right. That's what I felt like Bob Huggins was doing in that second half because he just sat back and said, okay, you guys think you're amazing? You guys think you have all the answers? You guys think you know what you're supposed to do? Go ahead. Do it. Um, because he really, truly, literally sat back at one point, uh, West Virginia was up 12, and Marquette went on a – I mean, it was at least a 13-0 run because they took the lead back, but I think it ended up being like an 18-1 run or something like that. And he never called timeout. Just sat back and watched it. And, and they and, – and West Virginia would pass the ball and dribble it up and go right over, you know, right across half court over towards the coach's bench like they're about to call timeout. Mm-hmm. And he'd just stand there and kind of stare at him, like, no, Go do and so it felt like a teaching moment we'll say from Bob Huggins for that game because uh it, he he let it ride and things went south very quickly point guard play was terrible uh big man play was odd Isaiah Cottrell was well I think God I think he was like minus 20 on the court after being like plus 20 the night before But for some reason, he was getting all of the minutes. And Kerrigan and Polycap were actually like plus eight or plus 10 combined and had eight rebounds in like 15 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And they just weren't out there. So I I don't know. It just felt like a teaching moment uh, in that game. And again, I don't think Huggins is like trying to lose games, but I think he was trying to teach something there.
0: I feel like he was doing that against Pitt a little bit too. Just kind of like that. We have some bit of a cushion here, but let's make sure we can get get out of here. And you know, I'll I'll press the brake if I have to. But he didn't, and they got out of there. But every game now, they've had look, the roof is kind of falling in a little bit in the second half. Yeah, well, and that was that was
1: his point was that they just even in the scrimmages, he said even in that secret scrimmage that he's not supposed to talk about that he's talked about five or six times now, mm-hmm. um, said that they got up to a big lead against Dayton in that secret scrimmage and then blew it in the second half. And same thing for all the games so far this year. So he said it's trend.
0: Finally, you're making waves on Twitter. Me? Not happy with the decision to go for it on that board down at the end of the game. But you come around on it. I have. Um, I did. I have a text from somebody who, I don't want to say this person's name because he sent it to me, but like a person that I think some people would know if they heard the text who it was. But I'm not going to out this person. Um, the text says, it doesn't matter how this turns out. Neil Brown should be terminated for trying to throw a home run ball with 40 seconds up late on fourth down and eight. Uh, he should absolutely not be asked back to Coach WVU. <laughs> um, this person's slightly hyperbolic, but I think probably to some degree he agrees with what he's saying there. Um, I don't know. I I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate inviting Risk into the room. I hate it. But I also missed that play because I was trying to – amble downstairs in my office i thought the game was over i didn't think i would have any adventure like that so set the scene from here and how this happened because i was again i'm incapacitated chris so i had a hard time getting in my office um and i missed this but I'm, I'm getting the details now so fourth and five
1: uh was it i can't even remember how many th- seconds left like less than a minute left um 40 seconds yeah 40 seconds left fourth and five at the 36 yard line and West Virginia comes back out with their offense. And and you can hear the announcers, oh, yeah, they're just going to try to draw them off sides, maybe take a delay a game to get more um, space for the punt. And then you see the receiver go in motion, and I'm like, well, hmm, okay. You know, yeah, sometimes they do that when you're trying to draw somebody off your sides. And with, like, 17 seconds left on the game clock, not that it matters because the, the play clock, because the game clock's not moving, um, Daddy snaps the ball. He's going. And three step drop real quick, and then just heaves it towards the end zone. Uh, it hits Esdale in the hands in the end zone. Had a defender right on his back. So, guy might have made a good play. We never got an angle from the other side. Um, immediately, just about every every old school football guy, we'll say, all the old school football guys from that cover Texas, that cover West Virginia, that cover things nationally. I mean, you know, I saw like, pat 40 uh commenting on it a couple espn guys brian davis down in austin america statesman is just what the hell is west virginia doing and that was my thought at first as well but before we even hopped on this podcast i had already tweeted a retraction on that because and, and and you you put it in this story so you were ahead of me on this you were good with it and it makes sense it makes sense because you go for it. If you convert or score a touchdown, game's over. Period. It's a, it's over. It's done. If you don't convert it, worst case scenario, because there's no way you're get there's no way you are getting sacked because it was a a quick quick drop and then a quick throw. If it gets intercepted, then Texas intercepts it and gets it down at the two in the end zone. So down at the twenty, it's the same as a punt. Maybe better than a punt. Worst case scenario, Texas gets the ball at the 36. You punt the ball, most likely you're going to punt it in the end zone. So it's a 16-yard difference. You know, they start in at the 20. And it, you punt, you know, maybe it's a bad snap. Maybe it gets blocked. You try a field goal, it's, it could get blocked. It, or if you don't miss it, then they get it at the 43, 44. So many things could go wrong that fourth and five and just even to the end zone is, like, I don't even think it's a question now that I've had a – had a moment to think about it. I don't even think it's a question. That's the play,
0: right? Yeah. I'm looking at Twitter on the fourth down. um, There's a a bot that I follow for like fourth down decisions, and it doesn't weigh in on this one, but it weighed in on one earlier in the game when they completed a pass to Sean Ryan, but they don't have one for this one. I'd be curious what it says about the percentage of winning being increased, but since they're already up, I don't think it would increase the winning percentage much, but I think you're right. Um, Four pump blocks for Texas, uh, one PAT block and, yeah, Texas is not going to take the delayed game penalty, I think. think? Right. No, so they won't accept it, yeah. They're going to decline it, and you're just going to play this game back and forth. Um, I don't understand, I guess, like, my 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 only reservation is that there's a lot of time left. And they hit a 52-yard pass on you earlier. And if you're giving them, what, 62 yards here? Mm-hmm. 64 yards. Um, but they had no timeouts left. 36 seconds you're inviting risk, so it's it's a tricky thing. But if you're going to run a play there, the play they ran is probably it. Um Maybe you have a gadget or something, like a hook and lateral or something like that. I don't know. But also, like, five yards, it's not, it's not like fourth and 16 or fourth and 18. Like, five should be reasonable. They did that during a normal course of play, so that's not unreasonable. But like you're saying, like a one-on-one ball like that against – and Esdale's your best one-on-one ball in the air guy. Maybe you get a P.I., Maybe get like a pick and a guy tries to return it and he gets tackled to 10. Like, I think the risk is there. Um, The reward is probably minimal um, or minimally outweighed by the risk. I don't think it's like a a, a zero sum. I'm okay with it because I I absolutely wouldn't have kicked. I wouldn't have. Um, Sure, you're up by 11 if you make the field goal, but you're probably defended a two-point play if it gets blocked. Punt, you're going to get 18 yards of field position maybe. Maybe you pin him down deep, but you also might get a block. I that's one reason I wouldn't invite the risk in the room. Um so yeah, if you're gonna run a play, for all we know, they practice that too. I don't know. But like I maybe maybe you run a more traditional five yard play like you would have been earlier in the game. But that play, you're right. A lot, a lot of good things can happen. And even if something bad happens, it can be good because you might you might get good field position out of it too. It could be the old arm punt there. I'm okay with that.
1: Is this do you want me to tell you that uh Kirk Sorako was in his ear? at that point Was in time it? on the television Was it? with a with a headset on
0: so you know what that means
1: you know what that means
0: i, I don't know what that means because we've never <laughs> gotten the the full version of that story <laughs> coming up on the website here uh, tomorrow typical uh sunday routine um plays a change of game is that coming back uh, yeah i think it has to i mean it, usually when it's
1: a game that's not close Like, it's kind of pointless. It's just like, yeah, it was 80% chance, 80% chance, 78% chance. Uh, Well, I don't know. Is it? Because, get this, quite literally, from the 11-minute mark of the first quarter, West Virginia was a 60% or better favorite for the entire game. Wow. From the 13-minute mark, 14-minute mark of the second quarter, it was already up to 80-some percent. And I don't think it it didn't drop below seventy percent for the re- remainder of the game. Huh. Never in doubt, Mike. Never in doubt.
0: Intense. Do
1: you want me to tweet you the uh,
0: win leading at halftime numbers? No. Apparently that guy was just messing with me though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. I don't think it was anything like too too mean spirited or whatever by either one of us. But yeah. Uh, hey, congratulations. Now uh, what? Three, four and two this year, right? Four and two. Yep. Yeah. Um. Man, Texas, 1-7 and seven when it loses time of possession this year, and that's all seven of their losses. So eight times in 11 games, they lost time of possession. Two. Good game plan by West Virginia. I'll have three things, I think, three things I know. Some snap counts, try to get something else there from the postgame. And then basketball, Sunday against Clemson, and Huggins said that Clemson is a better team than Marquette. A much better team than Marquette. Much better. I'm sure Shaka loved to hear that.
1: Yeah.
0: um, And I'll
1: have some recruiting stuff. Again, we talked about, hey – the coaches went all in on this weekend saying that it was going to be a big recruiting weekend. They invited some kids up, uh, some very interesting visitors. We have that over on the BIP board. Um, so we'll have updates, and And it seems like, I mean, I think they said 49,000 fans, so a little more than there was for Iowa State. But the product on the field was good, and that should make an impression on the on those players. So, And, and again, you get to see those Orange Bowl guys come back, some NFL players, that's going to make an impression on these recruits, and I'll have updates
0: with them over the next, like, 48 hours. Speaking of, let's combine this, two. You saw the Stedman Bailey interview during the game. Mm-hmm. How do we get, get it back the way it was, Stedman? Um, Recruit guys uh, like me. I like it. Get get me and Tavon and Gino back or, <laughs> or guys like me. Yep. Yeah, that would help, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He's he's
1: pushing for the open, opening up the pipeline back to South Florida. So I'm sure
0: Travis Trickett uh, appreciated that. that Oh, yeah. (laughs) Indeed. Well, until then, I am Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.